would please bow with me and uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning and I thank you for the time that we can gather as a young adult ministry and I ask that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit and by, um, by your written word. I thank you that uh, this group is here. Father, that we have um, opportunity to, uh, to be together as a young adult group and not just um, physically sit in the same room, but Father, that there's community here that there is accountability here. Um, Father, there's relationships here that go beyond just common interest. But Father, uh, for those that are, are Christ followers, that we are bonded uh, by the blood of Christ, and that we are family in that sense. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now the entire church is going uh, through a series on membership. So this is the second part of a three-part series. When we finish the series, we're going to jump back into the Hebrew study that we ended uh, that we ended the last semester with. So that's kind of where we're at and what we're doing. Last week we uh, covered simply the issue of church membership and how in the Bible um, there's not a specific verse that says you should be a member of the local church. <clears throat> but rather when we look at the whole context of the Bible we see the principle loud and clear. And I use the example of my grandpa's war letters. If you remember that, I had a big binder of my, my grandpa's war letters and all throughout his war letters, you can see what he did and the things that he accomplished and the people that he worked with and the people that were his superiors and instruction that he received. And nowhere in all those letters did it say, I joined the army. But when you look at the content and the bulk of the material, you see that it's very clear that he did, in fact, join the army. And that's kind of how we can see the examples in Scripture. Um, and so kind of with that as a foundation... Um, what I want to talk about this morning is I'm going to begin to address the five commitments that East Cooper asks of all of its members. All right, when you go through the new members class, which there's one, I think it's, it's next weekend, 30th, 30, 31st, um, it's, a, it's a Friday, Saturday. When you go through the new members class, they, they go into a fair amount of detail on what this is. And what we wanted to do this morning is address um, two of these, actually. These are the five um, commitments that East Cooper asks all of its members to be a part of. Now, membership is not something that is just put your name on a list and you're in. You know, anytime that you join something, it's reasonable to understand, especially with all the scripture that we looked at last week, that to become a member, to join something, means that there's accountability, that there's expectation and that there's an understanding of the commitment that you're stepping into. And it's very similar to uh, being a part of a family. It's, being, it's very similar to being part of a team. It's very similar to being part of a, of, a, of, a, of a band or an orchestra. It's very similar to being part of, of a job in the workplace. That when you, when you get a new job somewhere, it's not just simply, hey, we're putting your name on a role that is a list of people who happen to be in the same building. But there's, there's leadership structure, right? You see that on a, on a team, you see that in the workplace, you see that in a family. Um, there's expectation and there's accountability, which you see in all that stuff. There's, there's, there's training, there's uh, submission to leadership, there's uh, a mutual um, uh, goals and efforts that, that the corporate um, thrust is going towards to accomplish uh, the same goals. You, you follow with me? And so when, when, you're, when you're a member at East Cooper Baptist Church, these are some of the things... Uh, or the five things that East Cooper uses to add definition to that. So it's not just a blank, oh, I'm a member there. Well, what does that mean? It's like, well, I went to the class and put my name on the list? No. This is what we're asking you to commit to. And in, in turn, this is really what you are then committing to. So 
One, worship God together. This is in the context of our corporate worship services that happen every Sunday. Two, grow in the knowledge of God. Three, connect with other ECBC members. Uh, four, serve with your time, treasure, and talent. And five, reach locally and globally. Now, we're going to jump around Scripture again um, this week like we did last week. And I would like for us to begin by jumping to 1 Peter chapter 5, please. 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter five verses two through five. One of the things in membership that we talked about last week was um, it stands to reason. It's very logical, and again, you see this in the other structures that God has set in place between uh, government and family. Um, but that there's a system of leadership, um, both. Uh, membership defines and shows who leaders are responsible to lead and who, who shepherds are, are responsible to shepherd, but also um, which leaders, as believers, you are responsible to, to follow. And it's not good enough just to say, I'm a Christian, and so I'm going to kind of pick out of this list of people who call themselves leaders and say, I'm going to follow you in this area, I'm going to follow you in this area. That's one of the important things about a local church. So First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 2 says this, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crowd of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, that both the leader in the church and its members are called, commanded uh, to be humble, and that there is a structure for leadership. Um, if you would uh, flip to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. <coughs> Hebrews 13, verse 7. says this, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And jump down to verse 17, that same text. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Once again, verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now, um, there's different levels of, of leadership within the church, and it's easy to identify the, the chief, uh, the, the key leader. And in Ace Cooper, it's, it's Buster. Um, but if you're a community group leader, um, you're the shepherd in that community group. If you teach a Sunday school class, whether it's the young adults or fifth graders or middle school or high school or another adult class, you are um, in leadership and that you are responsible uh, in ways for, for the souls of those that you are seeking to shepherd. Some of you lead D groups for high school, high schoolers on Sunday nights. Um, your shepherd, the pastors on staff here are shepherds, the elders on staff here are, are shepherds, the, the deacons 
our shepherds. There's, there's a whole structure here, and there's something that has a lot of uh, seriousness to it, that, that, that everybody within the body of Christ here at East Cooper ought to recognize the, the severity of that, um, and that we will be held to give an account one day. And that's not just a, a minimal, hey, one day when you get to heaven, God isn't going to stand in front of you and say, hey, did you, you, know, did you do a good job? Um, but you will give an account to how, how well you lead. And uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if you are a Christ follower, you need to be leading in some way, in some fashion, if not now, um, at some point soon in, in, your, in your life, um, that you ought not to live your life, if you're a Christian, without leading others in some way, whether it's a community group, whether it's a Bible study, whether it's teaching a class one day, or you become a deacon or you become an elder, whatever it is, that you become leaders and shepherds as well. So there's, there's some, some seriousness behind what it means to be a member, but also, again, this is showing um, that it's not just a, a blanket, undefined mass of people who call themselves Christians, that if you're going to be accountable to the souls of others, then you know who you're accountable to. You know, this specifically is your flock. Um, so, um, what I want to talk about this week is two of the uh, five commitments that East Cooper's asking, and it's going to be these two, to grow, to grow in the knowledge of God and to connect with other ECDC members. And we're going to put these two together uh, because really addressing these two together is similar. Um, the example has been given that it's like uh, two sides to the same coin. And the same coin is um, what does God use to help us grow in the knowledge of him? Well, one, he uses uh, his word, his, his word that we have in the Bible here, but he also uses other people. So those things work together and that God shows us um, how to grow in the knowledge of him. So, with that in mind, um, our aim at East Cooper is to see that each member is uh, continuing to grow in our knowledge of God, one, but two, to make sure that our understanding of God is correct. All right, so it's not just that we know facts about God, though we ought to know more and more about God, but number two, that those facts are indeed accurate. Buster uses the statement uh, pretty often that um, when you spend too much time alone, you get weird. Have you heard that? Um, how many of you would say that you have known people who have gotten weird? That's a fact. All right. You don't have to name them. All right. Um, I mean, with, with a certain level of vulnerability, does anybody here feel like maybe you've gotten a little bit weird at some point in your life? Not, not currently? You know, because you've spent some time alone? I was weird before that. So you should be here every day. <laughs> well, um, you want to, but you're scheduled nights on the You're just going to be weird. <laughs> now, I've, I've, shared, I've shared this story before, um, and it's just a goofy story in my past about drinking milk. Now, um, and I, I only want to share a, a simple point. Like when I was in college, we d- we used to dumpster dive in in Chicago, and so me and some guys we went, we jumped in some dumpsters, and we were poor college kids. And this one dumpster in the middle of Chicago happened to be filled with gallons of milk, and we were like, okay, this is we were poor college kids, and like 
we got free milk, right? Um, and so people, you know, but there's red flags, right? And so we went through, and the logic, I mean, we're in Bible college, you know, we're, we're, we're adults, right? Um, let's, okay, how, what's, what's wrong with the situation? Well, Chicago, it's the middle of winter, it's colder than a refrigerator outside, so it's like, it's, it's refrigerated, right? It's, uh, it's all sealed, you know, has, you know, and we look at the expiration date, and none of it had expired, you know, so like what, what could be wrong with it, you know? And so it was interesting because there really was, I mean, if, if you just take this little stupid story and, and look at, at the logic and uh, kind of the case study, if you will, of what we were going through, but we were, we were really asking, I mean, none of us wanted to drink foul milk, you know? None of us were that poor, <laughs> you know? Uh, but we were kind of, we were sitting there thinking, like, this could be, I mean, What's wrong with it? You know, and we went through all of those steps. Like it's it's cold. I mean, it's colder than a refrigerator, right? And it, it, all of it's sealed. It's it's clearly not been opened, um, and none of it's expired. So what could possibly? So we grabbed several several jugs of milk and we took it back to the dorm, and we tricked one of the guys to drink it um, <laughs> that wasn't with us, and it all ended up being it all from what all we know, it ended up being fine, but. You know, there were other guys in our dorm who were like, what in the heck are you doing? <laughs> like, you're drinking milk out of the dumpster? And we're like, yeah, it's not expired. Blah, 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 blah. You know, what could be wrong with it? And instantly this guy was like, well, what if it sat out at room temperature for like seven days? And we're like, uh, Yeah. You know, it's like we didn't think of something significant. I mean, something major. Something that was a total game changer. Um, that, that ruined all, kind of all the facts and the logic that we were building ourselves. And, but we needed that extra person to bring, to shine some light on like, you know what, there's more that you're not seeing. You see the example here? That when we study scripture, we ought to be studying it personally. We ought to be in it ourselves. We ought to be in it regularly and consistently. But if it's only done alone, it is easy if not guaranteed, for you to sometimes get it wrong in your, in your total understanding that God has called us to be part of a corporate body and to study the word corporately, that we need each other, that we need to be in discussion, and that we need to be studying the word together. And that by studying the word, I'm not just talking about sitting under preaching where somebody like Buster um, is, is giving uh, giving a sermon, but rather that there's discussion going on, that you're speaking into it, you're speaking into it, we're taking other scriptures and cross-referencing it. You know, it's interesting that when you look, and we're going to look at a whole bunch of texts here that show us the importance of Bible study corporately together, and it's interesting for us to note that um, in Bible times, whether you look at the Old Testament or the New Testament, um, for people to have their own Scripture was was virtually unheard of, you know. That 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 texts were shared. You know, you didn't have your own Bible, you didn't have your own Torah, you didn't have your own version of the Old Testament. Like you, you would take the shared letter and people would copy it, but you would come together for study. And so, when you see references to studying the Word and furthering um, yourself and growing in the knowledge of God and making sure that that knowledge is a right understanding. Um, all throughout Scripture, typically, it was, it was in the context that you're doing it together, that you're doing it together. And again, 
sometimes you have to add clarifiers even if you think everybody is on board and you still agree. Obviously, that doesn't mean you don't do it personally, all right? But most of these texts are speaking to the corporate study of the word. Um, you're still in Hebrews, so flip to Hebrews 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. By and large... Any given education system um, is dependent on just the consumption of facts, right? When you're in high school and you're taking physics, you get the facts, you just got to get the facts. And then <coughs> if you can regurgitate the facts in the test, you pass, you know? And the Word of God has got two elements to it, that there are facts there. That there, are, there, there is concrete information there that we need to get. But it is not a dead physics book. It's, it's, it's a book that is God's word that is alive and active and actually can speak to your soul. And can enlighten things to you that you would not see otherwise. So you have a, you have a history book or you have a physics book and it may all be true information or accurate information, but it is not alive. It is not able to speak to you. So as we study the word, there's a sense of, first of all, getting the basics, getting the information, um, understanding the stories with greater and greater level of detail as you're growing in your knowledge of what the word has to say, but growing in the knowledge of God and understanding a right, or having a right understanding of God means that you're also, as you're studying, listening, because it's active. And it's alive. And that we are called to grow in our understanding of God as well. Um, 2 Peter 3.18, if you would, flip there, please. 2 Peter 3, uh, verse 14. 2 Peter 3. 14 says this, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. All right? First of all, it says, be diligent, all right? That you're working, that you're moving forward, that you're dedicating yourself to something. Verse 15, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability." But grow in one, the grace, and two, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now 
into the day of eternity. Amen. What Peter is saying here is that there are, um, look at verse uh, 16. It says, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them in these manners, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. Now, the Bible is full of difficult concepts. Things that really take more than just a simple one-time pass-through. Things that take some, some chewing on. Things that, there have, been, there have been concepts and doctrines in the Bible that I have read for the first time or have been addressed in my life for the first time that I have thought, I don't think I believe that. <laughs> Surely not. Surely that's not quite the way it works. Maybe, you know, the rest of us, I wasn't raised that way, you know? But upon further chewing, studying, discussion with godly people, seeing what the whole counsel of the word has to say about a certain subject, which is the definition of doctrine, what does the whole counsel of the word say about a certain thing, that we can grow in not only our knowledge of God, it says, but growing in the grace of God, which is the application point. So that our study and our growing in the knowledge of God, we are getting the facts, we are getting the information, but at the same time, we're growing in grace. We're growing in the way that it affects us. We're growing in the, the way that it, it, it so purifies and changes our thoughts, our minds, our actions, uh, the way that we deal with difficult people, the way that we love the unlovely, the way that we deal with people who sin against us, that we can take this just the, the facts and we can see that it is alive and it is active and it takes us and it molds us it purifies us it grows us it brings maturity to us as we can then further show and represent and show light to the world as we grow in grace and knowledge you can't have one without the other at least you're not supposed to or else you turn into a legalistic Pharisee is what happens you know I think that if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a while, um, this, is, this is difficult. Because even as a pastor, I battle. I battle the more difficult half of growing in the knowledge of God. Because it's just easier. It's the way I went through college. It's the way I went through secondary education. That, you just, that, that, that growth is often just a, the further accumulation of facts. And as a Christian... It's just, it's not true. I accumulate more and more information of God, but through his Holy Spirit, through the supernatural working of his word, through the supernatural working of the body, as we all have different jobs and we work in tandem together to accomplish a greater purpose, that we are perfected and we grow. And it shows itself in the way that we live our lives. And sometimes that is tackling, as it says in Second Peter, Hard to understand issues. Now, Second Peter is also giving a warning here that some of these hard to understand issues people have twisted. Do you see this in life? Um, one of the fast tracks to heresy is when there's a hard to understand text. And people make broader statements than what Scripture allows, and they say things like, surely not, you know? Surely that isn't the God of love. Um, take the doctrine of, of hell. Not easy doctrine, 
not fun. I don't personally like it, but does that determine my understanding of the truth of Scripture? No, because I, I believe the Word of God more than I believe my, myself. And there are some people who are saying, this is too hard. This is, this is too rough. This is too, uh, surely, surely not. And so, you know, let's, let's look at this a different way. You know, let's, 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 let's reinterpret this. Let's, uh, let's look at other um, obscure texts and, and, and twist them a certain way. Um, that's heresy. And it will be judged at greater levels than other sins. Uh, to take the word of God that is truth and to twist it and to say something that it's not is a grievous sin. Um, so there's caution there to make sure that we're not being led astray. We need to be dependent on the word and we need to be dependent on the body. So what does the Bible say about itself as far as the study of itself? Um, I want us to look at several different texts here to see how the Bible teaches uh, that there's great value in the study of the Word. Now, we all know that as a, as a statement. Like, of course, it's good to study the Bible. But let's look at what the Bible has to say and let it speak for itself. So we're going to spend a couple minutes looking at uh, Psalm 90, uh, 119. All right, so flip to Psalm, the book of Psalms, 119. Psalm 119 is, well, the whole book, the whole book of Psalms is a, a book of prayers and songs uh, to be prayed and to be sung um, as reminders of, of God and uh, the way that he works and his provision um, and his character. And Psalm 119 specifically um, is a song and a prayer written Exalting God's word as a guide for life. Okay? So it specifically addresses uh, the word of God. So, Psalm 119. Um, let's look at verse uh, 9. Psalm 119, verse 9. It says this. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That knowing God's word protects us from sin. Again, how can a young man keep his way pure? Question. How can we keep our way pure in this life? Answer. By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. The word, verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Flip down to verse uh, 43, Psalm 119, 43. It says this, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. My hope is in your rules, that we can put our hope and our trust in what the Bible has to say. Flip down to verse 67. The study of God's word can keep us from troubles. It says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. That we sit and spend time and study the word of God and is able to help us stay away from 
affliction. Psalm 119, verse 99. Tells us that God's word gives us wisdom and insight. It says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. All right, meditation means to spend time thinking, chewing, mulling it over, letting it sink in the truth of the content that you were looking at here. And finally, verse 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That it gives us guidance and understanding when we don't know what to do or where to go. One of the best questions that I hear people ask when they're giving when they're just in conversation or where they're giving counsel to people, is simply, what does the Bible say? We have endless opinions, we have endless bits of advice, but first, and we're having conversations and going through life's ups and downs, for us to continually ask the question of each other, what does the Bible have to say? So that it can light my way, guide my feet, and light my path. Uh, let's look at Romans chapter 12. All right, flip over to the New Testament. Again, what does the Bible have to say about the study of the Bible? Romans 12, verses 2 and 3. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How do we tell what is good and acceptable and perfect? Because that's what we need. That's what we want. That's, those are the things that we need that will best lead us down the path of life that will bring us the most peace, rest, and joy, and hope. How? By the transforming and the renewal of your mind. How is your mind renewed? It is renewed by the Holy Spirit's work through the Word of God. That we're flushing through uh, our, our mind with the Word of God that we're in it, that we're studying it, and we're doing so in the context of others. Uh, John chapter 17. John chapter 17. I love John 17. Um, it is a prayer of Jesus Christ um, for his disciples. And, and those who come to know Christ through the work of his disciples. And to me, it's just a beautiful, heartfelt um, prayer that there have been times in my life I've read it and I've, I've just teared up over the passion of this. I mean, this is the, the prayers of Christ. John 17, um, let's look, uh, look at verse 15, I do not, where it says, I do not ask. Again, these are the words of Christ. <laughs> I do not ask that you take them out of this world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Verse 17. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. That the reading and the study of God's word brings sanctification. Which, if you're a believer right now, is the present form of your salvation. That when you, when you became a Christian, you were justified. And now, as you live, you're being sanctified. And one day when you reach heaven, you'll be glorified. All versions of the ongoing work of salvation in your life, that God's word brings about your salvation, your sanctification. So again, verse 17, sanctify them 
in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for, they, for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. That God's word brings about sanctification in our life. We're living in a... Um, there's always problems in the world. There's always uh, issues of morality, um, evil, um, <clears throat> heresy. It, it, it's going to be constant. And a, as we live throughout the course of, of your life, until one day when God removes you from this world, uh, we must be vigilant in the sense of looking at, at, at what the world and what the culture is saying, <clears throat> comparing it with Scripture, and then saying, is this, is this right? Is this what the Bible has to say? That I'm going to build my life on something that is, that is greater than me. I'm going to build my life on something that is greater than, than just those around me. That I'm going to build my life on something truer that will last throughout the, the ages. The Word of God. But um, there's a problem with right doctrine in the world, and especially in the Western church in America. Um, and again, doctrine is defined as what does the whole Bible have to say about a certain subject, whether it's sin, salvation, sex, money. Um, there's a survey done by Lifeway Research for a ministry called Ligoniers that says this. The survey reveals that a significant level of theological confusion exists in the Western church, that many evangelicals do not have orthodox views about their either God or humans or especially on questions of salvation and the Holy Spirit, meaning that there's a significant amount of people who are involved in, in, in church, uh, who call themselves Christians, but aren't clear on the basics that aren't clear even on the facts, much less the living out of those facts. There's a guy um, that's in my life that I've tried to witness to and uh, be an example to, and um, he just doesn't get it, and I don't know how to help him. Um, but he's convinced that the best thing in this world is to um, make sure the people around you don't get hurt and that you, you know, you're loving your family well and uh, that's the best thing that Jesus wants isn't it isn't, uh, he'll, he'll make statements like that I'm like those are good things I mean Christ on the cross first man and um, but he's always making comments like that and you know those are those are good things I mean they're not wrong and bad and they're they're nice and uh, noble things but man this guy's not a Christian <laughs> You know, man, he he, t he tells me that he's right with God. You know, um, and I've I've invited him to Wild Game Banquet. You know, and all these different things, and tried to share uh, the gospel with him. But he's like, you know, I just I like to go to Sullivan's Island and just that's just me and God time. So he does right, you know, and it's like that's not it's not right. It's wrong. Um, in his flawed theology, unless it's corrected, 
will lead him to destruction. And I'm not talking about this life. Um, there's a man who's a professor of theology and culture at Regent College. His name is John Stackhouse, and he says that we continue, we continue to hold, we as a culture, we continue to hold adult Christian education in low regard. That a sermon on Sunday, we think that a sermon on Sunday morning and a conversational Bible study at some point during the week is enough to get the job done of informing and transforming people's minds along the lines of Orthodox Christian belief. And we as a church, East Cooper Baptist Church, have had this discussion that, that we believe, as the leadership at East Cooper, that it is vitally important that we have Sunday morning education so that we can grow in the knowledge of God as a body of Christ and that we can make sure that this knowledge is a right understanding of God. There are a lot of churches, and, and this, is, this statement is not a statement to uh, look down on other churches and the way that they do church. You know, I really do believe that they will be held accountable to God, and East Cooper is not responsible to, um, to change other people, you know? But there are a lot of churches out there who have completely done away with Sunday morning education. Um, but we at East Cooper believe that this is vital that we can move forward and help our members, help our people grow in this very knowledge of God and having a right understanding of him by providing these options here and providing these opportunities. And so we don't look at Sunday morning class as, if you happen to be interested, we also offer this as a side note to church, you know, that we see this as very important. And my, my challenge and my charge to you, and I'm, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here because you're here, but, it, but, but to recognize why we're doing what we're doing, and it's not just, hey, all the young adults should get together so we could see each other on Sunday morning, and then we all go to big church together, you know? That there's a greater purpose behind what we're doing here, that we see this as really important. And we're constantly asking ourselves as a staff, how do we get more people a part of Sunday morning education where I've been instructed when I was given the job as a young adult pastor, Danny, when you teach class, you just need to teach the word. Take a book of the Bible and go through the word. That's what we want this time to be about. The study and the growth and the knowledge and the right understanding of God through the teaching of the word. So that's what we do. We went through Mark, went through Ephesians, went through several books on the Psalms, now we're going through Hebrews, and that's going to be our, that's going to be our model as we go through that. And my challenge and my charge to you is not just to do that, not just to be involved with, with these things, especially in, in these Sunday morning classes, but to, to, to take that with you because most of you, most all of you are going to move away from here at some point in time, probably within the next three, four, five years. Just We have a cyclical nature of our group. I hope not. I love Charleston. I've been here a long time. If you stay here, stay here. But if you move on, Look for that in the church you go to. Put that as a high quality of things that you're looking for. And encourage other people, you know, to be a part of it. And I want to tell you that you don't have to be in this class, you know. You will not offend me if you say, Danny, I want to go because this class over here is teaching Romans. And this class over here is teaching through Jeremiah. You, you have the freedom to do that. You're not bound to this class because you happen to fall in the young adult category. All right, we want to offer this here, and this is what we're going to be doing, but go, and then come back if you want to. 
But you have the freedom to see the options that are here. There are some great quality, a lot of them seminary trained teachers here at East Cooper. You know? So don't you don't need to ask my permission. You don't have to feel like you're gonna be offending me because I'm sold on what we're doing here. You know? So take that with you as you go to other churches, to other communities, and stand for it, you know? Make that a priority in your church. You know, I want to teach my children as they grow, you know, that this is not something we do just because we got something little for Evie. Like, it's not just something that we happen to do, um, but that there's value here in sitting under the teaching of, 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 of the pastor, but also in education. So take that with you. Um, the second issue um, that I'm not going to spend nearly as much time on is this issue of connection with other people at ECDC that are other members here. Um, because again, we think that if you're not connected, that if you don't have a small group of other people that you're responsible to and making relationships with and uh, holding each other accountable and having these kind of levels of discussion, because whether there's 40 people in here, 50 or 60 or 70 people in here, it's hard for us to have a a discussion, but we need to be having those, you know, and all throughout the course of, of time and history since the church was established uh, by Jesus Christ himself, small communities of believers have gotten together to discuss the word. It's always happened. I've told this story before too, but it's just, it's sweet and drew me to tears when I heard it, but I did a missionary kid retreat in Turkey several years ago. And all these missionary kids came together, and we had a re- and we did this retreat, and we had a band, and we did worship, and we played games, we did all kind of stuff you do in normal youth groups, and uh, but all these missionaries were coming from places where they were not allowed to be as missionaries, and some of them were pretty tough, dangerous places, and uh, some of the missionaries told us things like, yeah, when we get together for for church, we uh, we all leave our cell phones at home because the government of Turkmenistan can track us, you know, and we have to take different paths. To different homes all the time because we never know when we will be followed. And this little 13-year-old girl, she was there, and I asked her, I was like, hey, are you having a good time this week? And she's like, yeah, I'm having a great time. I was like, well, what are you enjoying the most? And she said, well, I'm enjoying the worship. And she said, we can't sing out loud because they might hear us. I'm almost choking up just hearing that, you know, <laughs> hear myself say that. But, she, but she's gathering together with her family with small groups of believers because there is an intrinsic God-ordained value in being connected with other believers. And they're sacrificing their lives to do it. We're a big church. And just, you know what? It's nice to think, hey, as a big church, we could just simply do it. It's hard. You need to be involved in a community group. Emphatically. You know? I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's something you need to do. You need to be involved in a community group for your own growth to accomplish the purposes of the church. I believe greater than the purposes of East Cooper, but what God has set forth in Scripture, that we need to be involved in the church. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23.
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day draw near. I feel like that I have platform to encourage you from up here. But I think you have a greater platform in smaller groups, in community that meet all over the area to push each other personally by name, looking into each other's eyes and encouraging each other on in the little things in life, you know? I mean, I, I feel like I know you all by and large, but I don't know you, you know, personally, some of you more than others, but you need to be known and you need to get to know others on a personal level. And I can't do that for all of you and I can't be that person for you either. You need that within each other, within the body. You need the body, you need to be in the word, you need to be in discussion, you need to be studying. I hope these things are encouraging, but I hope that it's adding clarity to what we're asking of our members. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can be together. I thank you for this class. Father, thank you for these young adults that are just a, a, a joy to be around and, and, and fun and challenging and nurturing and encouraging, um, even to me in my own life personally. And Father, I ask that we would be a group that is just growing and getting stronger as we grow in the knowledge of you through the study of your word, through the gathering together um, in worship and through community. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Um, Come out Thursday night, 7 o'clock in the Annex for Connect. Information is in the back for community groups.